Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly in OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankset from the Monaco Brewing Company, and this is Kristen Lyerly up here, and holy cow, we got Pat Kreitlow. He's coming out of hibernation because this is such an important show. Pat, I knew it. I knew it. You can't stay away from the microphone, my friend. In the, uh, in the words of Joan Jett, I hate myself for loving you. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see how our faces lit up when you appeared in your little Brady Bunch square? You're, yeah, we're pretty happy to have you here. You guys are wonderful, and, I, and I'm very sleepy. So let's let's just go ahead and get going and talk about the way that Tony Tony Evers and I are up way past our bedtimes. Damn it! So <laughs> so just so everybody knows on the uh, on the audience, so Pat was listening to this show. He was, he's, he's, he's got to wake up at like five o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Four o'clock in the morning, prepping for my show that starts at 6 a.m. Up North <laughs> News Radio, but sharing my Tony Evers clips with you. I'm slaving over a hot keyboard over here, <laughs> working my nimble fingers to edit these clips. I he's... ship them off, figuring I'm all good. I can call it good. I gave, I did something. I did my good deed. And you're like, oh, why don't you come on anyway? You're already awake this long. Yeah, well, you're already awake, man. And and it was funny because you were recording Evers' speech and taking the clips, and then Kristen was trying to chime in with some <laughs> with some comments, and you were like, it was making everything go beep and boop. And I everything snapped under. at her. I you did. Snapped at I her. was saucy, and you snapped at me. It well. was quite a snap. Well, because I had told Kirk earlier in the messenger, it's Facebook messenger box. I said, you, you have to back off when Tony starts talking because I'm recording right off my computer screen. And five minutes later, la, 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 Kristen comes <laughs> in. Hi, boys. How are you? And I'm over here going, shh. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't read okay. the whole th I was busy. I'm I, sorry. No, that, that's okay. I don't regret it, it though, actually. It no, of course you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> Okay, keep on talking, guys. Jo Jody's texting me, and she's telling me that the she needs the Zoom link. So, uh, so oh, uh, pardon yes. me as I pardon me as I uh, as I disappear here uh, mentally. Okay. Yeah, I should tell you the one the one in your email was incorrect. The one in the Google Calendar invite for at this time period is the correct one. Mm -hmm. how's, how's that for a little on air uh, behind the curtain, oh. there, folks? So while he works on that, Kristen, how are you? It's a Gee, we, 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 we've only been talking like together on, on the radio or on podcast for like 14 hours. Here. I talk to you more than I talk to my children. I know. And then you're, <laughs> you're, you're back on in, in 11 hours uh, on the Up North News radio show. So this is. It's going to be so good. And in the meantime, I've been chatting with our friend Sarah Godlewski mm -hmm. about a series of rallies that we're planning across uh, the yes. state. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be so good. It's going to be La Crosse, Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, Green Bay, Oshkosh, Appleton, maybe even Wausau. Well, while you've been doing that, I've been texting back and forth with uh, State Representative Francesca Hong. I'm trying to get her and Christina Shelton to come on next week. They uh, put a great essay in the Cap Times uh, today about the the right wing's next thing to try to develop their their new CRT, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's to go after anybody that wants 
investment in companies to be, you know, good for the environment and not be evil to their workers and things. And they actually want to target people like that. And uh, but that's how they work, Pat. I mean, they find some sort of not real issue that they dress up and turn into some sort of an issue. And then they put money behind it and they find a vulnerable legislator who has no idea what they're doing. They just know that it's something devious. The whole thing is it's a disaster. Wokeness. They're they're attacking wokeness on any level. Kirk, what's the rule here? We're we're just podcast only now. So we can say naughty words. Can we say naughty words or do you not want us to? Please, Kirk, can we? You, uh, I think you are allowed to say naughty words unofficially, but you know, we shouldn't say naughty words because we're, um, you know, we're good folk. Okay. Well then I I was just going to give the proper definition of woke for all the, all the, you know, things that go back and forth. My definition of woke is don't be a bigoted a-hole. That's it. That's all it is. Anything that you see there is related to either bigotry, racism, or misogyny. Mm-hmm. That's it. If, if everything that's in there, teaching, it, when they talk about you know whitewashing history, it's because they don't want racial history in there, uh, you know, and, and on and on it goes. And so when anytime I hear woke, I'm like, that's a cell phone on your part. That that tells me something. So anyway, we're getting away from the Evers budget address and we're looking at some future topic here. But for the for the address at hand, I think part of why we're still waiting on representative Emerson is that we're used to like state of the state and state of the union addresses go on a lot longer. A state budget address is usually a lot shorter. And and honestly, and I say this as a former legislator, I I'm not even sure why we do a budget address. We do the state of the state. So the budget address should just be here is my budget. You may light it on fire now because that's what the Republicans are going to do anyway. So, okay, let me just chum in two seconds. How did you get into this Zoom, Pat? Because uh, I told you the 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 Google Google Calendar invite for this time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So may, okay. maybe I should uh, maybe you should talk to Kristen for a while, and and, and I'll send that to uh, Representative Emerson if you like. Okay, got See again, it. folks. This is a sausage right here. This is a sausage. <laughs> so Pat, sausage you you right. work on that, and I'll uh. So I want to play. I want to get into this uh this this budget. I want to play that first clip. Because we can start talking about that because because uh, I want to talk about education after we get to the break. But sure. I want to get, hey, so Tim, can you play that first clip? Because what I loved was when Governor Evers said, guys, we have to not screw this up. We've got like $7 billion. And this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. All this money has kind of been piling up from like the COVID relief and and everything. And so... We can't screw this up. And I, I, I wanted to play that clip that Pat sent because it's really important that he set the stage for, uh, you know, for, for, for trying to get this really right wing group and this, and this Democratic gr- group to work together on this budget. So, uh, Tim, can you play the clip? This is a breakthrough budget, one that has rarely, if ever, come along in our state's history. And with this opportunity comes responsibility, obviously. Today, we carry the weight of posterity. While we must find ways to save when we can, we have a duty to invest in needs that have been long neglected. While we cannot afford to be careless or reckless, we have a duty to protect the future we've worked hard to build together. While we must continue to stay well within our means, we have a duty to create prosperity that will define our state for generations. Basically, it's the the Hamilton line. History has its eyes on you is what we're getting to. And when you talk about, um, 
you know, Hamilton and uh, musicals about politics, you think Representative Jody Emerson. Uh, so I'm, I, <laughs> I didn't realize that this was a song and dance podcast here. So oh. like, oh. <laughs> let's let's get serious about what you do for a living down there. It's it's there's just so much soft shoe that we have to do. How are you? I'm doing well. It's it's a good night to be joining you folks. Well, yeah. I mean, you got the, the, the knees got a good workout, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. I and did forget to stretch the quads before, so I might be sore in the morning. If you, but, if uh, you cramp up, yep. It's because you, you, you should have known. Coming it'll be this. worth it. So it'll what'd you think? It. it was wonderful. You know, one of the things that I love about um, Governor Evers' budget address and the state of the state is this gives people across Wisconsin a chance to see what Wisconsin would be like if we could paint the picture in the democratic way. Um, it shows what the possibility is for us, for our state. And, um, you know, I think when I listen to Governor Evers, um, I can't help but think that this is a beautiful thing that he sees for our state. And, and I just hope we can get past some partisan bickering and at least get partially there. That's the message that kept coming up over and over again. This is about us. This is not about division. This is about coming together and using this incredible resource that we have to build a sustainable future for generations to come. He actually said we have a duty to create prosperity that will define our state for generations. Yes, yes. And one of the lines that I picked up at the end is, let's not just dismiss ideas because they're proposed by a person or party you dislike. So balls in your court, Republicans, is this best for Wisconsin or is this best for your next election? Yep, I agree completely. Um, I want to talk about that more at the, at the end of this when we uh, look, for, we, we aspire to do better, better. But I also want to get to the nuts and bolts because he covered a lot in this speech that is important to Wisconsin that we never hear about in the news because we're always hearing about culture war stuff. Like, yep. you know, like, you know, trans, you know, bills against trans kids and everything. But but Evers has shown time and time again, he's a nuts and bolts governor who wants to fix stuff and he wants to do best by Wisconsin. And that and there's so many bipartisan things in, in, in his budget um, that I think that, you know, that that should be stuff that we latch on to. I, yep. I want to start because it's the biggest dollar amount. Um, I think, you know, out of everything, apparently, you know, I've been trying to keep up with all the release press releases, but it seems like 2.6 billion of these dollars that of out of like the 7 billion that we've got are, are going, are, uh, Governor Evers is allocating towards education. Um, can you talk about where, where, you know, can you help explain to folks where some of that's going to go and, and how does it affect schools in Eau Claire, schools in Minocqua, schools in Chippewa Falls, schools in Green Bay, not just schools in Milwaukee or Madison? Right. And there's, there's so many different programs that it's hard this close to having the budget address. So if you guys could see my desk that is <laughs> artfully out of camera shot, it's post-its all over the place and, and things because it's hard to digest some of these numbers so quickly. So um, I'm going to ask for you guys and, and your viewers to have a little bit of grace with me as I stumble around and find my reading glasses again and all that stuff and, and read my notes. But, you know, when we when you think about what is and not to parrot the governor's line, but what's best for Wisconsin? We, we think of hearing all of the time of employers saying, I don't have enough people working here. I got the help wanted sign up and nobody's applying. 
Well, if we want to invite families in, they need a house to stay in and they need a good place for their kids to go to school. If it's not a good school, I'm not bringing my family there. And so education should have a big piece in this budget. Um, I was really excited to hear about some of the pieces um, with the universal school meals that heaven forbid, if we expect our kids to sit in their chairs and learn and read and, and act cordially to their neighbor, um, that we should give them breakfast and lunch, not demonizing those kids who have to get, you know, the red ticket in order to give to the lunch lady to get their free or reduced meal, but just give all of our kids meals. Let's feed our kids. And if we're against feeding children, like seriously, we need to look at our priorities. So, um, you know, that, that's a piece of it. It's about making sure that we've got money in the classrooms, not um, money for tax relief that doesn't make it into the classroom, which is what we saw some of the, in the last budget, but making sure we've got small classrooms, um, that we're, you know, giving them the resources that they need, which isn't the textbooks of when we all went to school or I don't know, Pat, what did you have an abacus or something like that? I don't know. Wide rule. I was just yeah. going to say books. The fact that there are even books compared to the iPads and computers that they, they have now, but but this ties in you know, with something something the governor I, said. You know, we got books, but I don't know what you had back. Stone tablets? I'm not sure. But <laughs> it, it, but, it ties know, into nowadays, what... it's 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 online stuff. It's making sure the kids have hotspots at their house to watch the video that is the assignment that they're going to write about. It's not about reading page 246 in your textbook and answering the three questions. Education's different and our education funding formulas and where we're putting our money needs to keep up with technology. Exactly. And that's what the governor was saying overall is that the priority, it's not that it should be books or, or bricks or whatever the case is, but kids and not just kids, but also the other form of big local services that come from local governments and school districts. And so um, it really would be that's where it lends into cut three from the governor here, where, where the governor makes clear his two big priorities are about kids' education and local government that has been strangled for years. And so if we have cut three ready, let's hear how the governor put it. Investments in our budget like these are critical. The state has to start being a partner in, not an obstacle to our local community's success. The way we've been, way we've been funding our local governments is not sustainable. We need to change that. I'm also here to tell you that the way we're funding our schools isn't sustainable either. We need to change that too. Budgets reflect our priorities, which is why every budget I've built over the last couple of years has been doing what's best for kids. This one's no different. He's right. These, these are the, the priorities, Jody, that I'm sure you share as well and probably can't fathom why they're not shared by folks across that aisle. Yeah, it was it was great to see some of our um, local community leaders in the um, in the gallery um, standing up and applauding and whooping and hollering and stuff like that before we even got to the applause line because they were so excited that you know we're going to fund our local communities or give them the ability to determine what's important to them. That's the big piece. So I think you know the. 
you know, I we were t we talked to Katie Rosenberg, you know, in in Wausau a lot. We've talked to some, you know, the mayor in, in Superior, um, and and all of them are just constantly like, why, why are we having to fight so hard for dollars from the state? It's been an ongoing problem, and so part of the uh, budget speech was. Evers said we're going to give twenty percent of our revenue back to to, to local government, which from I the sales tax, yes, from the sales tax, and and they're really he's focused on making up that gap, and he said we've been ignoring ignoring our partners too long. Um, you know, is this something you've you've you know you've seen and heard a lot throughout your tenure? Yeah, and it's interesting as we're getting more people in the legislature who have been in local government on both sides of the aisle, whether it's a, you know, somebody who is on their village board or, you know, is a mayor or something like that, how they see firsthand how hard it is to make ends meet at their local municipality. And they've been saying, we need to deal with shared revenue. We need to deal with shared revenue. And so I think that the Republicans are ready to be at the table for this one um, because it's impacting. This isn't a Milwaukee problem or a Milwaukee and Madison problem. This is a Merrill, Wisconsin and Rice Lake and Dodgeville and all these other little towns, as well as Eau Claire and Green Bay and La Crosse. We're maybe seeing it differently um, and how it's presented, but we're all fighting these problems. Uh, what we'll do is we'll pause here, and then when we uh, pick up the conversation, we'll talk about some of the other needs of of young people, not just academic, but you know, mental health as well. And then we'll ask that key question: after everything that that Democrats have talked about spending the surplus on, what do they feel about tax cuts? And I I, I think some people will be happy with the answer, but we'll have to do that on the other side of this break, won't we, Mister Bankstead? Absolutely. Come and check. Don't don't leave now. There's just so much more coming and good music. L let me add. Can you believe what you get is what you see? But I'm so fake happy. I feel so fake happy. Okay, guys. So something that I, you know, I as anybody who watches this show often knows that it's not that hard to make me uh, shed a tear, but. Uh, it, and it's really hard for Evers to make anybody shed a tear because he's pretty kind of like a he, he's kind of wooden. But I mean, that's what we like. He got about him. himself a little choked up, though. I don't know if you noticed, but when he was talking about that young man from, yeah, yeah from Waukesha. Yeah. It, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what got me choked up was that CDC report that said uh, so many of these high school kids, uh, you know, I mean, 60 percent of girls were feeling hopeless uh you know a th one third of teen girls or had a thought or attempted suicide here's here's I mean, the here's the governor actually talking about it in uh in cut four here he gets into some of those cdc statistics yeah. nearly a third of teen girls seriously considered attempting suicide think about that that's one in three teen girls 
And about 70% of LGBTQ students experience persistent feeling of sadness or hopelessness. More than 20% of LGBTQ students attempted suicide. No one who has the privilege of working in this building, including I, can read these statistics and say with a straight face that we're already doing enough. Folks, enough will be enough when these are not the statistics reading about our kids in the news. It's time to get serious. And uh, Representative Emerson, the this was as close as Governor Evers will come to grabbing Republicans by the lapel and shaking them and saying, are you not paying attention to what our kids are going through? Help me with this. Yeah, I, it's... I'm I'm trying to, I've got a lot of anger about this topic, to be honest, because I've got colleagues of mine who bang the pro-life drum every chance they get, which if they're not willing to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to kids and mental health, I don't want to hear a single one of them say anything about them being pro-life because what they really are is just anti-abortion. They're not pro-life if they're not willing to do whatever we need to, to make sure that these kids reach adulthood and to be healthy and whole when it comes to um, being a young adult. So you're, you're so right. And every time I hear mental health, that's the phrase we get from the other side. Every time there's a mass shooting, we need to invest in mental health. That's going to be the way that fixes this as opposed to getting rid of you know, AK you know, 47s or something, you know, so let's do it then. Let's do it. Right. Are they going to, are they going to go arm in arm with Evers and, 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 and invest the money into, into mental health and helps helping these high school kids get out of their depression? Are they going to do it? I hope so. Time's going to tell. And this is where they need to, you know, put up or shut up really is what it comes down to. Um, we need to invest and not just in, in kids and in teens. I mean, we're seeing it in grade school too. Um, we're seeing it, you know, his statistics. I, I mean, I can't say anything more than those statistics do, but it's across the board. It is, everybody is feeling this stress and um, we need to do what we can. This is supposed to be the year of mental health. So how can we help Wisconsin be mentally healthier? It's absolutely true, Jody, And it's so profoundly upsetting to watch the Republicans sit there knowing that they're going to come back saying, this is all garbage. We want tax cuts and tax cuts that are not sustainable. When you look at what Governor Evers had offered, 10% middle-class tax cut, providing $1.2 billion in tax relief, not for the wealthy, but for working families who need it the most. This is where we need our tax cuts, not where the Republicans are likely going to pivot. Exactly. Tim, Kristen just let us into the tax bit. Let's play that clip from Governor Evers. I promised cutting taxes would be a part of our agenda to help working families afford rising costs, and it is. And I'm proposing we do it responsibly by targeting relief to working Wisconsinites who need help affording those rising costs. So I'm delivering on my promise for a 10% middle-class tax cut and providing $1.2 billion in tax relief for working families. 
And so, Jody Emerson, uh, that, of course, means let's pass a flat tax and uh, gear it all toward... <laughs> toward the because i'm sure that's what the folks on the uh, on one side of the aisle heard and and honestly i i i have to ask and i'm asking in all seriousness are they going to keep beating that drum for a flat tax or do they now understand that that was an opening salvo and that maybe it's time to start talking about tax relief for everybody else not just the very rich well and i think that's what we see from republicans i'm remembering in 2018 um, when I was first elected, you know, the big thing that was going to end everything, you know, the seventh, eighth, twelfth wonder of the world, whatever the heck it was, you know, was Foxconn and how that was going to lift our state to glory, which is one business. Um, do we want to build up one business, one tax bracket, or do we want to do what we can, like Governor Evers has proposed, whether it's with the Main Street bounce back program, which he wants to continue, which, um, what has that done? 8,500 new small businesses across our state and give tax cuts to the working families, which, oh, by the way, will also help those at the highest part of the tax bracket because that's how an incremental tax system works. It's going to help everybody. I mean, you know, let's, let's, a rising tide lifts all boats. Let's lift everybody up with this, which will then five years down the road have more jobs, bigger tax base. And we can really dig into a lot of this stuff and really, you know, solve a lot of problems. So let me ask a question. And this, you know, I'm not always going to be like 100% yay, rah, rah, uh, you know, it, with, you know, on, on the on the left side. I Potentially, Governor Evers knows he's working with an almost near veto-proof uh, majority in in you know because the Republicans have gerrymandered our state so badly. You know he knows that that they're they only talk about tax cuts. You know that's all they talk about. They never want to give money to the funds that the programs that are needed in Wisconsin. Do you think that this was a salvo from from Governor Evers? He's like they can't say no to tax cuts. But at least I can say, make the tax cuts only for the middle class and those who are less fortunate, but not for the rich. You know, is that is that is it a tactic or a strategy so that he can get some of his budget passed uh, or, you know, or do we need to lower? I mean, do we actually need to lower taxes on the on the middle class and, and, and the less fortunate? You know, I think with inflation right now being what it is, costs are rising. And if we can provide some relief to working families, people on fixed incomes, um, it's our responsibility to do that. And we do have a large surplus. However, I appreciated his, his view on, you know, paying down the debt on some transportation bonds, things like that. You know, I think about um, a budget's a moral document, but I think we also have to relate it back to our personal, you know, budgets. If any of us got $20,000 from great aunt Matilda that we didn't know was coming in, um, you know, an inheritance, um, we'd probably plan a vacation. Well, that's our mental health piece right there. Um, <laughs> you know, we'd pay down the credit card debt. So that's our transportation. Um, we'd fix the roof of the house that probably needs it in a couple of years, but doesn't necessarily need it right now. You know, that's some of the other things. And, you know, that's an important piece. Like if we just gave it all back when, when, you know, when the interest rates go down and we're not getting as much interest or when the prices calm down and we're not getting as high of a sales tax on lower prices at the store, we're not going to have as much tax income coming in. 
that's going to leave a hole down the road. So we have to do this responsibly. And I, I love how the governor phrased it, that we've got an opportunity to make some real substantial changes without digging us into a hole down the road. So I just wanted to follow up because I always, you know, I've never been an elected official and I, I but I've always am like budgets in politics, seemingly if they're not, if, if they're not spent, they never, they never come back or, you know, or something, or sometimes, you know, we, we, we don't seem to be able to allow ourselves to, to put, have a nest egg, you know, as like a state, like a rainy day fund. And we have $7 billion. Um, you know, it's like, it's like, wouldn't it be great? Cause that 7 billion is probably not going to come back because we, hopefully God, God willing, we don't have another COVID situation where we have to get federal help, you know, to, to the tune of billions of dollars to keep our economy going. You know, should we, should we pay down our debt and should we hold on to some of it um, for that rainy day when, when we, when the federal government might not bail us out if we have another pandemic or something? Yeah. And the 7 billion that we've got, is in addition to what we call the rainy day fund. So we actually have the nice little savings account sitting there for when the furnace goes out on the house, we can fix that. You know, yeah. Boy, you are just back to- you are Captain Analogy tonight. Look at you. Is, <laughs> you know what? Are you yeah, looking you for? An, I I know what your house is like. I understand where all this say, is coming from. House. You know how much stuff I need to do. So I, I know Julian is moving buckets as we speak right now to catch some of the snow melt coming through that old thing, but. So, no, so the good rest jo- do. it's the furnace we're worried about at this point. So. <laughs> so, so, so good job out of you, but I don't think we can, we can undersell. I mean, you talk about, you know, saving money, but the fact, and I know it's, it's one of those weird little technical things people don't like to think about, but with the governor saying we're paying off $380 million in debt early, like he said, that's, that's principal and interest that can now be used down the road for some of these things. That's, that's called smart budgeting, you know, as opposed to. And that to, was a good pun on the transportation fund too, to do it down the road. So I oh, know. The, wow, you you are you are just sharp. You got this tonight. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's what you get when you get Rep Emerson on the on the. <laughs> well, you get you when you get Rep Emerson after dark. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> Ooh. We, we haven't. Uh, we, Actually, I was going to do infrastructure, but Kristen, why don't you, why don't you, let's talk a bit more about, about family leave. Well, there were a couple of things that I really enjoyed hearing about, and I, I felt like they were just really innovative. He talked about housing programs, lots of information about housing programs, and then childcare, supporting a sustainable childcare environment. And then he threw it out there, paid family leave. Wow. We know that we are losing young families here in Wisconsin. We've been losing young families. But, you know, when all this went down, Minnesota's governor was, they they have a budget surplus too. And they were like, we're going to do paid family leave because we know we can draw people from Wisconsin to come here. So we're fighting back because we want to keep our talented people here in Wisconsin. So paid family leave. I mean, tell us, Jody, what does this mean to you? Well, I mean, I think it's one of those things that um, people need nowadays. You know, we are not in the day and age of having a one income family, you know, one one income earner family. Um, both parents are working. Grandma and grandpa are probably still working and they're not even living in that area. So, so even the emergency that I had with my kids who are now in their 20s, um, of, oh, mom, can you take the day off and, and watch the kids? Cause this is happening and I can't miss work this day. 
you know, not everybody has that anymore um, or has family close enough to help out. So, and if, if we've learned anything over the last couple of years is if we cannot get people to show up at work, if, if we don't have home taken care of, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why we are seeing um, women in particular not returning to the workforce. We don't have enough childcare centers to, to put kids in. Um, when, when you have, I think the statistic is somewhere around 60% for every 100 kids that there is in the state that needs a childcare slot, we've got about 60 slots for them. Eau Claire's lucky. We've got about 80. What do you do? How do you go to work if you can't take care of your three-year-old? You know? So childcare, paid family leave, you know, Minnesota just, you know, codified Roe v. Wade. It's like the, re- the, the conservatives and the Republicans, you know, can have, you know, they can all believe what they believe in. But, but it's, it's like they're blind to the states around us who are all doing these policies and actually making life better for their constituents. And, and, and obviously, you know, it's not like Wisconsinites are that, you know, when you're 20, you're not that proud of your state. You want to go where you can get a job and you can get paid family leave. You can take care of a kid and you can get a good education, you know, like that's the thing that I think is so we're just missing that they're missing that it's like their idealism just doesn't understand the competitiveness that we have all around us and did you see at when uh when Governor Evers mentioned the 1849 criminal abortion ban just briefly and did you see Speaker Voss in the background just shake his head real subtly (laughs) I did Uh, no comment It's probably you know, it's probably look at what, what you were talking about, Kirk, with, you know, we're surrounded by Minnesota, Michigan and Illinois all have the trifecta of Democratic control now. And we need to be responsive to being the purple state that we are and maybe meeting somewhere in the middle or, you know, Monaco is going to be the biggest state or city in the state pretty soon. So but it's straight it's look I, i've said before i'll say again somewhere things things there was a a, a convergence or a you know a, a, whatever happened it's democrats now that are the more business friendly party in the sense that they're the ones plugged into small businesses on main streets that that main street bounce back grant program is the poster child for what we should be doing at this point and giving, you know, like, like we hear from the, uh, the main street Alliance all the time, working on things like paid leave and expanding badger care so that more small business workers are covered. All of those things are going to attract and retain the main street businesses rather than the party of big business, which puts all of its eggs in Foxconn. And you know what a smelly mess that turned out to be, but let's go to infrastructure uh, before we have to let you go, because the governor did talk about one thing in particular, $750 million in broadband grants. And again, that's just a big dollar figure. What does that mean? He got to the point. What this means is he'd like to see every home and every business have the availability to connect to high speed internet, by 2025. I mean, every home, every business in less than two years, that is, that's bold. It's, it's audacious, but given how much more he's put into broadband than, you know, the previous administration, I have to say that the number surprised me, but I, 
it sounds doable. Yeah. And he's used some innovative programs, whether it's connecting to, to fiber, using some satellite programs to get into really remote areas. Um, but broadband is, is the electricity of this generation. I mean, you are not going to get a house if it doesn't have plumbing and electricity. I mean, there's a few people who might, but we're not going to most of again, us again, back call, to the house you had when you first moved in, but you know, well, you, back to the house that my husband grew yeah. up in, but yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, would you even think about getting a house right now that didn't have access to high speed, reliable, affordable Internet? Because you're not going to be able to work there. Your kids aren't going to be able to do the schoolwork that they need. Um, you know, you can't you can't live. You know, you can't watch the Packers or your Netflix program or whatever it is. This is the electricity of this generation. And not to mention the fact of what a boom this could be to our rural communities and rural development. I've got people in my district in Eau Claire who work in San Francisco, in, in the tech sector, and are bringing those wages to the Chippewa Valley. I have other people who are working in Austin, Texas, and bringing those wages to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, because what they can do with, with internet connections and, and working remotely. You know, Again, you, I'm just going to pick on you all night, Kirk. But, you know, if you want to see Manaqua bloom and blossom, let's get some oh. great people up there that can, you know, work in D.C. and live in Manaqua. Boulder, you know? Boulder Junction. We did that story in Up North News about how Boulder Junction made that investment. And now they're suddenly attracting these people who work out of state. They work out of Chicago, but they don't want to live in Chicago anymore. Instead exactly. of vacationing in Boulder Junction, they can live up there now and they're plugged in. And that's exactly what Manaqua and, and every place else has to do. And you've, you've got a governor now taking that seriously, Kristen. And it's not just broadband. It's so many other things, including building out our electric vehicle charging infrastructure. It's impossible to have an electric vehicle if unless you live in a place like Madison or Milwaukee or maybe Green Bay if you have a Tesla, but don't get a Nissan Leaf. Trust me on this one. We <laughs> We need a better infrastructure. If, <laughs> if we are going to actually adopt these vehicles, we need the infrastructure and we need the roads to be safer. And I mean, roads, bridges, you name it. Governor Evers has made us a promise that he is going to build on the 5,800 miles of roads that he has already improved, the 1,600 bridges that he has already improved to keep working on the infrastructure here in Wisconsin. And that is critical to our future. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he's got a bold vision for us. And um, I'm excited to see the Republicans try and, you know, hunt this one down and try and, and distract from it because... Um, the people of Wisconsin, this is what they want, or at least a portion of it. And it's time for everybody to get to the table and say, how can we agree on something? Well, let so, me do a little, let me do a little crossover episode here from, from the Up North podcast brought to you by the Monaco Brewing Company to Up North News Radio. Tomorrow morning, Joe Zapecki is going to be my guest, and he's going to basically say about the Republicans that we're basically, he dares them to show what their plan is right now. It's a lot of pick at this and say, we don't want to do this and complain about that. But if they actually had to present a plan besides a flat tax and, and he was like, go ahead and present the flat tax too, but present that plan. If they did that, they'd lose. So you, you're going to be watching what they do and we'll keep folks updated on it because I think pretty much every, every way that you can compare column a and column B, you know, your column's looking pretty good there, Representative. 
Well, it's an exciting time to be in the legislature, and um, I hope everybody is as excited about the governor's plan as I am. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking more in the weeks and months to come before the budget is finalized, because there's a lot of things to go through. The top line was just 28 pages that I got today. The budget and brief is going to be, I don't know, 200 pages, and the whole budget's going to be a thousand. So, We'll have more to talk about as time goes on. <laughs> you get to have all the fun, you nerds. I miss it so much. Thank you. Representative Jody share. Emerson. I, yeah. I don't Please work do. that cheap. I, I, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Thanks night. Thanks for having me. Take all care, right. friends. Take Good care, night, Jody. Everybody could see how Kirk is like winding up behind the mic. Like he's so, I mean, the the, the funny, he's lip syncing to his own music. That that was Kirk Bankstead there singing uh, the old Josh Groban song. <laughs> oh, guys, I mean, you know, I, I just love, I love getting cheesy at the end. Uh, and, and at the end of Evers' speech, uh, I mean, he, in, in his own way, uh, you know, he was like, we just got to do this. We just have to do this and we can't focus on axes to grind and we can't focus on, you know, the, you know, the, 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 you know, trying to play to a base that doesn't have anything to do with an election for a long time for governor uh, for two more years. Let's get it done now. I mean, the problem is we know. We know that as soon as that speech was over, uh, the Republicans are probably going to tear up every single bit of that budget, and they're going to probably come up with lots of the same stuff but call it their own. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, Evers was right. Like Wisconsinites don't want that. Uh, you know, Democrats don't want that. We, we want to just make our state better and competitive. Um, so, so Josh Groban says it right. You know, he says. Believe in what you feel inside and give your dreams the wings to fly. You have to, you have everything you need. We got $7 billion if you just believe. Pat? I, I think w- one of the things that was undersold in this is what, what Evers wants to do to, just, frankly, save democracy mm-hmm. here and you know expand eligibility, residency rules, uh, make sure that our election infrastructure is in place. Because we we talk about that a lot. We haven't talked about it much tonight, but um, but it is critical. And Governor Evers is pushing back on that. And we live in a time now that, well, it's unlike anything I ever thought that we'd live in. And it it's good to fix the election infrastructure, Kristen, but it it means nothing. The eligibility means nothing. The ballots mean nothing if there aren't people there to cast them. And that's why there is such a critical election coming up next Tuesday. 
It's very true. We need to get out on February 21st, just a few short days away. And actually early voting is open now. So check your voting site. If you want to vote early, by all means, get out there. Uh, Janet Protosewitz, Everett Mitchell, those are your progressive candidates. Get out there, cast your vote. And then, of course, the general on 4-4, April 4. If you have questions, if you need information, myvote.wi.gov. Your voice has never been more important in this state. And if you want to see interviews with Judge Mitchell and Judge Protosewitz, go to the Up North News Facebook page. Just search for Up North News WI and go to the videos section. And both of those videos were put up on Monday, so you won't have to scroll back too far. But you'll see roughly 12-minute interviews with both judicial candidates because you can only vote for one on the ballot. But you know you should feel good about who you're voting for and take a look at those interviews, Kirk. Okay, so that was our budget show. Guys, I have to talk about next week. It's going to be amazing. Uh, We're going to have Jim Obergfell from uh, the marriage equality case, Obergfell v. Hodges. That's a Supreme Court case that 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 granted uh, uh, marriage equality and allowed it allowed the LGBTQ community to marry. Uh, he's going to be on talking about his history. And believe it or not, the partnership that we somehow were introduced uh, to make wine together, choice wine, pro-choice wine. And so we're going to be doing that. I'm going to be in D.C. We're going to be in front of the Capitol uh, talking about the Supreme Court case. So uh, so I, I think you guys are going to be both with me. I hope you guys are both with Wait, me. Wait, but- you're going out to D.C. to do the show? No, no, no. I'm going oh. out to D.C to sell my wine but okay. i but I, I couldn't we we actually have a permit to go in front of the supreme court building but i can't sit down because the police are like too worried about us protesting so i'm like i don't think i could do the show with my with my cell phone in front of me but but that would <laughs> the perfect backdrop would be the supreme court because we're gonna talk about roe and we're gonna talk about uh, Obergfell v hodges so we'll probably take a picture of it or something but but tune in everybody uh to next week's show is going to be one of the more special shows that 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 we've done on this podcast. So looking without further ado, Patty, you're going to lead us out? Nope. I just said I'm looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for letting me crash your party again. <laughs> All right, so guys. Happy. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, think up north. We'll see you uh, next week at the cabin. Just Hey folks, this is Kirk Bankstad from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I wanted to talk about our awesome show that we're going to have Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C., and we're going to be talking to Jim Obergefell from the Supreme Court case Obergefell v. Hodges, which gave us all marriage equality in the United States. I got to know Jim because he is part owner of Equality Vines, which is a cause-based winery out of Sonoma, California. Well, during this show, we're going to talk about what Jim Obergefell went through, 
before the case, during the case, and, and what he's been doing since that landmark SCOTUS case. We're also going to talk about why he founded this vineyard called Equality Vines and how we got to know each other and what we're trying to do with Choice Sauvignon Blanc, which is our pro-choice wine made by Equality Vines and in partnership with the Monaco Brewing Company. It's still hard for me to believe that I'm working with one of the guys that enabled gay marriage to happen in the United States. So join us Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. I'll be in D.C. Pat, Kristen will be here in Wisconsin. And, uh, and this is going to be one of the coolest and most momentous Up North podcasts we've ever done. Don't miss it. See you soon. Won't you let me die?